This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the two-minute drill. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Minute Drill Podcast. I'm Adam, and as usual, I'm joined by, by joined by Dan and Kev. And today we're going to be running through some week six action. We're going to talk about what went wrong against the Denver Broncos. We're going to take a look ahead at the matchup against the 49ers for the Pats, and then we're going to get to our game picks. But first, we're going to talk about some developing news today as the rumor train is going wild today. Antonio Brown has rumors going on that he's going to return after he's reinstated. I think it's week eight, possibly. He's, yeah, his destination, he wants to go to Seattle. So, boys, what are we feeling about that? Yeah, so he's got to serve a eight-week suspension from the NFL. Um, he could be back and playing week nine. And Adam Schefter basically broke the news that Seattle is in position right now to make a push to sign Antonio Brown. Um, he was working out with Russell Wilson in the offseason. We saw him take a risk on Josh Gordon last year, so... It does make sense. I mean, it would create just a crazy offense in Seattle with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and AB. But Schefter did mention that Seattle wasn't the only team interested. They were just probably showing the most interest. So, um, yeah, not not necessarily a foregone conclusion that he's going to go to Seattle, but seems like he'll definitely be back in the league in about two weeks. figure, too, after all the stuff AB's gone through in the last year. That he was basically done. I mean, he how many times did he ret- retire on social media this year? Like five, six times. I think he retired like every other day. I didn't really think that a team would give him another chance. Um, like Dan mentioned, he worked out with Russell Wilson. I know he's close with Geno Smith, which is Russell's backup. Um, and the other teams that are like interested in him, um, you would figure that Baltimore was, but it came out today that Baltimore is not interested in them, and they. Um, Des Bryant's finally back in the league on the practice squad, so I think Baltimore's out of the running. And I don't really see another team that would go after AB. The only team that I can see going after him is Tampa. And I just think that I don't really – I know Bruce Arians said earlier that in the offseason that they weren't going to go after him, but seeing how they're playing, seeing how Godwin's been hurt, Mike Evans has been banged up, Gronk isn't really who they really thought they were going to get out of him. Do you really think that – you think Tampa's going to call for A.B.? Um, I think it's a possibility, but like you said <clears throat> when you were just talking right there, it was shut down in the offseason. There was Brady. There was rumors about Brady wanting to bring A.B. to Tampa down with him, but Arian shut it down real quick. But I think this, I think Seattle's a pretty good place for him to land. To land. I'd put money on that because uh, with a coach like Pete Carroll, I think that's a perfect kind of place to have a troubled guy like AB who's been going through so much stuff the last year and a half, two years. So I think that'd be a good place for him to come in, work with Russell Wilson. Like you mentioned, he was working with Geno Smith in the offseason. So I think there's definitely a possible connection there. They also do have Josh Gordon, too. They signed Gordon back. And then whenever Gordon's suspension gets reinstated, they're going to have Josh Gordon as well. And it's kind of funny because it feels like Phil Dorsett, wherever he goes, he just keeps getting buried on that death chart. Mm-hmm. I forgot about him. True. I feel like the one thing with A.B. to Tampa, though, um, I think it's definitely possible. I think Brady would want it to happen. But at the end of the day, if Brady goes to Arians and he says he wants Antonio Brown and Arians, you know, maybe just says we've got enough receivers, he'd maybe be an issue in the locker room, whatever, and Brady – sort of doesn't push anymore from there. I don't think anything's going to happen. I think it would take Brady like really 
kind of hounding Bruce Arians, like, I want this guy, we need this guy, go out and get this guy. And if that was the case, I think he'd be in Tampa. And if he has Seattle and Tampa offers on the tables, I think he's going to choose to play. At least we can get one thing straight this time and that we can finally determine that Antonio Brown would not be coming to the New England Patriots. Uh, At least that's kind of the case. Um, Antonio Brown said that he – I know the Chicago Bears said they had interest in A.B., and he said that he was not going to Chicago because he doesn't want to play with Nick Foles. So this guy legit just wants to play with a proven quarterback. And I just think, at least we know this time that we're not going to get our hopes up with A.B. coming to New England. Well, yeah, I honestly don't think that it would be like – I think A.B., if he had a choice, he wouldn't come back here just because I'm sure he feels like we treated him unfairly and still feels kind of like jaded about that whole process. Um, but I don't think he'd completely rule it out. I think really just Robert Kraft doesn't want to kind of like go back on that. Like, I think he probably still holds a bit of a grudge against Antonio Brown for all the stuff he said about him. And it would just kind of like set a precedent if he brought him back that like, you can do this stuff and like, he'll be mad, but it's going to be okay later, mm-hmm. which like, that's not how it should be. No player should be saying that. As a Patriots fan, there's that little slim <laughs> hope and the deep down in my heart that somehow it could be possible that AB could be back in a Pats jersey, but I'm not going to rely too heavy on that. But um, I feel like with AB, how old is he? But low 30s, maybe just 31, somewhere around there. I feel like he's at the point of his career where he wants to win. He wants to ring chase, you know? I want to I want to say he's like 33. 33? Oh, it's older than I, I kind of thought. Yeah, because he got drafted. I want to 32. Okay. 32. So, yeah, because he's... But, because he did four years at Central Michigan. I do just want to say, though, that the Patriots didn't, like, do anything towards A.B. A.B. had the opportunity before he signed here to tell them about his case that was going on, and I think the Patriots would have kept him for that season if he just was honest. But him and his agent, legit, they just didn't say anything. So if you're just not going to be up front with the Pats, they're not going to mm-hmm. keep you. And you can't really stay with someone that's just going to, like, kind of jip you like that. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it's nothing that the Pats are going to go back to. And to add on to that, he would have also been able to stay if he just shut his mouth. Remember after the week after the Miami week, his first and only game as a Patriot, I think those some group ma- group text messages leaked yeah. out about him talking about the case, and that all blew up. And that that's what led to him getting cut. Yeah the the rumor was the rumor was essentially that the Patriots had found out about the case because obviously, like everyone did, and he kind of like said he was handling it, and they were like, okay, that's fine, but like. Apparently, one of the things that he was advised to do was just, like, cut off contact with this girl. Like, we don't need you talking to her or egging her on if she actually is trying to extort you. You know, like, let this thing go to court. And then, obviously, he sends her, like, threatening texts that gets leaked and just makes him look awful, makes him look guilty, makes the team look bad. And if it went against something that Kraft or Belichick Mm -hmm. told them, Obviously, he's going to get caught. One last thing on AB before we move on. It was a really exciting and happy 11 days when he was a New England Patriot. Mm. Um, I mean, just like that whole, like I thought about it today. I don't know why it came up in my head, but like just like before the season really started when they signed him, like you had the banner versus Pittsburgh, and then you legit had Antonio Brown coming a week two. Yep. Better days, better days. Those days were unbelievable. Yeah, that was amazing. I remember <laughs> – we signed them the day before that Pittsburgh game. And I remember I was at one of my buddies' house and um, there was some like non-Patriots fans there. And 
me and all my buddies that like the Patriots are freaking out saying we we're going to win the Super Bowl. We we're going to go 16 no. And the other kids who weren't even Patriots fans just like couldn't even argue with us. They were just like sitting there like sad and like shocked. I just sometimes this the picture happen. somehow come, finds its way onto my Twitter feed. But I remember during those few weeks of AP, no, 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 that one's AB a great one too. But like tub. when it's Edelman, Gordon, Dorsett, and AB all sitting next to each other on a bench, that's that's like whenever I see that, I'm like, wow, damn it, man, what could have been. It just breaks my heart. But uh, moving on from the A-B talk, let's elephant in the room. Let's discuss the travesty of a game we had to watch on Sunday. Broncos 18, Pats 12, all all around terrible effort by the Pats. The defense played really well. They, they held the Broncos to only 18 points. And let me do a quick math. What is it, six field goals? Jesus Christ. But uh, offense, very shaky performance. O-line beat up. We know about all no practices. Boys, I want to hear your thoughts on the game, so let me hear it. I mean, the defense did basically as well as they could have. They got J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones got two huge interceptions at the end of the game to kind of like give us a chance. And despite, you know, what do we have, two turnovers on offense that kind of set them up in good field position, they still didn't allow a touchdown. Um, I think we win this game if our offensive line was fully healthy. We are obviously we are not, missing we are David not Andrews. Um, we are not going that route today, are we? I think we could have I'm saying I think we could have won the game like I'm not saying that we easily would have but you look at the position we were in at the end of the game that was with Isaiah Wynn playing awful that was with no David Andrews with Joe Tooney snapping the ball over Cam Newton's head um, that was with who I mean who was even yeah, in a right tackle played a Justin pretty good Aaron game and um, Burkhardt 30 snaps and didn't allow a pressure um, a lot of the problems for that game was that Cam was holding the ball way too mm-hmm. long. He didn't trust any of his guys. There was a lot of plays that they were open, and I don't know if you guys saw like the film breakdown, but Devin Asiasi was open a lot for checkdowns. He did not throw it. Harry was open a lot to give him credit. Cam didn't. Cam didn't yeah, throw his way. I think only twice. So I don't think I well, in Cam's mechanics that game were so bad. It, a lot of the, the offensive struggles starts with the quarterback, and it was sad to see, and it was sad to see that they kind of just gave up on the running game, too. Mm-hmm. Kevin, make a good point about the mechanics. It was awful. You noticed it all day, taking way too long in the pocket, looking down his receivers, not looking off safeties, and he did that thing he used to do in Carolina that would get me really mad. Like, when he throws, he, like, opens up and oh, uses, like, dude. his back to throw instead of using his arm. And one thing that concerns me about... Oh, like an L. Yeah, it's sorry. Like exactly what you're talking about. It, it gets me so mad. He was doing pretty well within the first few weeks of the season. But another thing that kind of concerns me with him, I don't know if this is from past his arm injuries or whatever, but I feel like he struggles to put balls when it's a screen play, like over defenders' head that are coming over. You know what I mean? Like putting enough loft on balls, like the pick he had that he couldn't get over. I forget who the end the end's name went. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that's happened a couple times this season. One. But yeah. another thing was, obviously, the offensive line was a bit of an issue, but it's not all their fault because all the injuries. But Cam just didn't look good in the pocket either. He wasn't. He didn't look like he was alert, and it just wasn't normal. I think that was probably one of his worst games so far as a Patriot. Well, I just want to touch on something real quick. Kev, you were texting me Sunday morning talking about how you don't put any blame on Cam. 
And when I disagreed with you, you said you yeah, can't play I any saw blame the, on Then I saw the game, so and I don't, I, like, I, don't... I actually watched, like, the film, the, the film breakdown of it. Change your mind. And he had a lot of time to throw. Like, he had plenty of time. He, his decision-making was so yeah. slow. And I don't know if that was because the I don't yeah, know the if second was pick he didn't was awful. For, like he had what one walk through in the last two weeks. I don't know if it had it could have been. It could have been Cam's that type of quarterback that you really need a full week of practice. Like I know practice, you obviously you game plan, but I think the Patriots are really working on his footwork, his arm, everything. Like he's gonna be a project quarterback. Um one thing like Adam touched on his arm. That throw to Demir Bird. Oh, he, Oh, dude, dude, you had Demir Bird wide open. You can't underthrow that. That it's painful. Yeah, it painful. almost, it almost on that throw. It almost looks like he's like trying to line drive it in rather than give it some loft and let his receiver go catch. I up mean, to even it. even the fourth down at the end of the game, yeah, mm-hmm. he he completely missed Harry. He said it himself that Harry didn't run up. Harry kind of slipped, but like Cam said in the post game interview, he said like. Harry ran the right route. I saw him, and I just completely missed it. He's saying that to cover Harry. That was all on the kill, Harry. As a wide receiver, you have to know. And this is the thing that Denver did, too. They put a lot of guys in the box all game. And that's why Edelman's so crucial, and he has been for Tom, because he looked at the quarterback right away. Harry shouldn't have been able to finish his route and actually ran like a 12-yard comeback in that time. I think Cam was expecting him to cut back early, and I think that would have changed it. Um, but like, get a little bit off topic from the game for one second. I know Cam had a tough game. Do you guys think it's starting to get worrisome and it's like actually annoying to see him dance around at practice? I know when they practiced yesterday, he's dancing around. Isn't it kind of getting frustrating now at this point? I mean, you're two and three. You lost to the worst, one of the worst teams in the NFL. You shouldn't be dancing that practice, man. Yeah, I got to take your side with this one. I think it was cool before any of the games started, you know, with all the Cam Newton hype when he first came in here, dancing, we saw all the publicity about it. But like you said, we're two and three. There shouldn't be no dancing. There should be no goofing off, laughing. I mean, you can laugh a little bit, but I'll tell you what, if this was Tom Brady, there'd be no fucking dancing going on when you're two and three right now. It's kind of, the more you think about it, it gets me kind of mad. I know he's really loose. That's how he plays the game, but kind of a bad look. And well, Dan really I, I don't know. I, that quote that we talked about last week with Nikhil Harry saying it's just fun. Remember how I brought that up last week's podcast saying how it's fun playing with Cam and how it's kind of different in practice? That's, that's meaning more and more each week now. The more they lose, the more that's going to factor on. I'm sorry, Dan, for cutting you off. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, dancing, you can always find problems with it. But me personally, the way I look at it is I'd take that over the you know him stopping and you know just kind of being like all right everyone like we all suck we just lost to one of the worst teams in the nfl and then you have guys not that anyone would ever like give up on bill belichick or not buy into his system but like you have guys that are starting to get down in the dumps about like we're two and three we just lost to one of the worst teams in the nfl nobody really played great we shouldn't have been in that game at all they were banged up and it didn't matter I you know I I think Cam's kind of trying to like keep everybody's head up, keep everybody's spirits high and the thing that annoyed me more personally during the game when he was playing so bad, whenever I'd see him like fixing his chains after a play, it would piss me off so much. <laughs> it just kept going behind him too. It just kept going the complete opposite way. I know cuz you're not supposed to wear chains in a football. Let alone game, four dude. of them. 
or have him <laughs> hanging out on every I dude, I swear. You can when he runs, you can is that just me or can you hear them? You can hear his chains like jangling I'm, when he runs. I'm gonna have to keep an eye on that. I don't think I've noticed it yet, but I feel like you'll definitely be able you to know, hear it. Listen, listen for that, dude. I swear you look can heavy. hear that whenever he like runs out of the pocket. <laughs> I don't know. I just it would just it would just upset me the same way that like when Brady would miss a receiver last year and he'd make a face like it was the receiver's fault. You know, it's that same way where like Cam would make an awful throw or like hold it for way too long, and get sacked. The camera goes on him and he's like trying to make sure his chains are tucked in properly or hanging out the right way so that they're flipped to the right side. I don't know. It was just that would just mm. kind of. That's why after the game versus Miami, they were trying to take his chains. They were trying to take his chains. So I have an yeah. interesting question for you, boys. So the Patriots lose on Sunday. Are the Patriots sellers? before the trade deadline. I've heard there's been some little rumors going around today, especially, that the Patriots might trade Stephon Gilman. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they lose, do you think Belichick just sells and tries to do his rebuild? Or do you think that he's just going to keep the team intact and still try to find a way going? Being two and four? It's funny you mentioned that because just before this podcast, I was watching, uh, it was Tommy Curran, right? He wrote the article. I watched this piece. Yeah, I was just watching that yep, before. Too, I just watched, yeah. I was watching it on TV. And I mean, you got to look at the future here. Stefan Gilmore's 30. He probably has another two, maybe three years of prime football left. But you got JC Jackson sitting right there waiting to get a fat contract. And we're supposed to have a good amount of cap space next year. But with how the COVID's going to play a factor in that, we can't really, can't really know exactly how much money we're going to have to play with. And we're going to have to sign a quarterback, hopefully Cam. But I think it wouldn't be that bad of an idea to at least look into getting rid of him. It depends on what we get back. But I think it's definitely an option if we do if we do lose this week. Um, yeah, I think if we lose this week, we definitely consider it. But I don't think we'd be like full-blown sellers, kind of like taking calls on everybody. I think Gilmore is a guy that Bill Belichick um, is looking to move just because we have so much depth at the position and he's already on a pretty big contract, you know, for the Patriots. It's worth 65 million over five years, I think. Um, But he's only under contract for one more year after this. Bill knows that next season when he's on the expiring deal, his value is going to go down tremendously. Um, And you look at it right now, You've got guys this offseason. Marlon Humphreys got like 97 million. Jalen Ramsey got 100. I think Tredavious White got like one of the highest averages of all time for a defensive player. So cornerbacks are starting to make way more money now. And Bill Belichick knows that when this contract expires, he's not going to give Stephon Gilmore $100 million. So I think that he's just kind of thinking about it like that and just realizing that he could cash in now and potentially get multiple first-round picks rather than have him for one more year and lose him for nothing. I do think that they're going to probably try to move him. Um, you could definitely get a first-round pick. But here's my thing. I think you could get two. I don't think you can get two. I think you can get one. I don't think Belichick's going to mm. try and go that high. It just usually helps Belichick. Look at, look at Jalen Ramsey, though, dude. Okay, but here's my he thing. Got, right? Yeah, he got two for Jalen Ramsey on his expiring deal. All right. If you – 
If you trade Gilmore this offseason, it might only be one. But if you do it right now... I think it's the opposite. I feel like if you traded him this offseason when his value was so high coming off a Defensive Player of the Year award, I feel like you could get that too. But at... No, I mean, I mean, this offseason oh, oh, isn't okay. after this okay. season. Yeah, he. I think he definitely would have been worth two coming into this year. Coming off the season he had, it was, like, unbelievable. All right, so hear me out on that. So you can get a first, whatever. The Patriots have had awful first-round picks the last few years. So this one would be crucial if you trade Gilmore, depending on how the season goes. Why not? Gilmore for Odell. Why not? Cleveland needs cornerback. We need a wide receiver. Instead of a first round, just do it. You have probably you actually would help your salary cap for this year because Odell's fifteen. Gilmore's what? Is he nineteen? He's thirteen. No, he's not. No, he's thirteen. No, he's not. So... He got the bump. He got the yeah, four million is. bump. Oh, that's right. That's so right. You would actually save money in the salary cap. You need a wide receiver. You have JC Jackson. Jonathan Jones is playing well. Cornerback, you'd be fine. Go get help this year. Get Odell. Try and lock him up for a three-year deal. That's my road. That's the way I I like the idea of that, but do you think we'd be overpaying if we did straight up Gilly for Odell? Because, I mean, what do you think – because, like, what do you think Odell's value is right now? I think you'd snag Odell for, like, a second and a fourth or, like, a second and third. he goes for a first, though. Yeah, I don't I don't think Odell right now is worth much more than just a single first. And I mean, we were just talking about whether or not Gilmore's worth two firsts. If he's not, it's pretty close. It would be like a first and a couple mid round picks, maybe. But you look at like what Jamal Adams just went for. Yeah, but that's two firsts, a third, and a starting safety. There's so many different factors that go in the trade values too. Like me and Adam actually discussed this earlier about how we wanted to have a Belichick-Shanahan connection for fantasy <laughs> trades. But Belichick has these trade partners. You do a favor for him. And I think that's something that Belichick likes to do. He has it with Detroit. He has it with a lot of other teams. has it with San Francisco. So I just think it's something that Bill likes to do. And I think I wouldn't be surprised. Bill just likes even deals. He doesn't want to completely screw someone over because one day he might need a decent deal from a team and he'll say, Hey, remember when I did this for you? And then he gets his way too. Hmm. So with all the trade talk going on, it's, it's like we mentioned every podcast, it's hard not to wide receivers, man on Sunday's game, the fourth quarter, and we started doing those trick plays like we always do when we're desperate. It's, it's just gross. It, reminded, it gave me flashbacks of last year in Houston and other games where we were doing those same trick mm-hmm. plays. It just, when you start seeing that, you, it's it's very desperate, and it makes me pretty upset knowing that we're just one piece away from being a very damn good football team. So as we get closer to the deadline, do you think we're going to start seeing more and more rumors that are actually legit? I, Well, this has been kind of a big week for the rumors. You had David Njoku. It was reported that he requested a trade for a second time. John Ross requested a trade. And then the big report that caught my eye and got me pretty excited is that the Texans are willing to trade any of their wide receivers, including Will Fuller. I think that Will Fuller or a potential Brandon Cooks reunion in New England would be something that could really help us. Um, I think a guy like John Ross is good, but outside his speed, he doesn't offer a ton. He would be really cheap, but a guy like Will Fuller is a guy I'd really like to see us go after. Yeah, I'm a hard pass on Brandon Cooks. I'm not taking another risk of him getting a concussion. And breaking my heart. 
I just think he's so injury prone. I'm sorry, but I'm still not over that Eagles hit. I will never get over that. And Brady still threw 505 yards. But anyways, I just think as this, like the weeks go on, you're going to hear every name, every wide receiver that's in the NFL. We're here in Julio. Um, Edelman shipped his uh, J11 gear to Kenny Galladay. Galladay wore it. Next thing you see on Twitter, Patriots are trying to get Kenny Galladay. Like we're, It's never going to be the end. We see this every single offseason. I just think someone, I mean, I just can see the path going for like a Marvin Jones. Dan was the first one to ever touch on it. I think Marvin Jones is someone they like, even though they need speed. Um, they tried to get him in 2016. And then other than that, I really just think the only one that you're going to really try and get is Odell. I mean, that's someone that you, sh- I'm still going on that. I mean, you need chemistry, especially getting traded to New England, learning the playbook. You need to learn quick. You need to have a quick uh, relationship with your quarterback. And Cam has that with Odell. And I just think that's the safest route for that team. And that creates a spark. And that can kind of get everything flowing back into New England. Yeah. Um, Dan, to touch to mention uh to touch on what you mentioned with Will Fuller and Cooks and and whatever. I think and John Ross, I think those would be some pretty good options. Will Fuller would be a nice number two, and I'd like to see what McDaniels could do with John Ross. But I still think we need a better guy than those two. We need a number one man, you know. Will F- but is Fuller, Fuller, Fuller isn't number a number one, one though. And he's also injury prone. But too. he's he's the number one. At, he he is, and that's the real concern with him for me. But this might all be biased because I'm a big Notre Dame fan. <laughs> he's one of the best receivers I've seen come out of there, probably second to Chase Claypool. But when you look at what he's done so far this season, he's definitely been the number one guy for Deshaun Watson in Houston. Whoa. And I've got his stats in front of me in basically four games or I'm sorry, five games, he's had 28 receptions for 455 yards and four touchdowns. He's gone over 100 times, three times this year. His worst game was four receptions for 54 and a touchdown. I just think it's a big, I mean, dude, it's a risk. And that's the problem is that this dude is injury prone. I mean, we've seen it every single year that he's been in the league. I hope if he can stay healthy, I'm all in on Will Fuller, 100%. He's a vertical threat. That's exactly what, this, but that's that's the exactly thing. what they need. But. You're, you're not going to get many sure things at the trade deadline. Like, sure, a guy like Odell would be great, but can you say honestly that you think it will happen at the deadline right now? Here's another thing that you're going to think of, too. Do you think that the Patriots are like – their wide receivers are – a lot of question marks what they've done with that group the last few years. Um, I mean, you traded a second-round pick last year for Mohamed Tanu. Um, how did that pay off for you? He is currently home running routes with sideline hustle, trying to look for a job. So I just think that – Yeah, if- but even with him, he was supposed to be one of the safer bets for the trade deadline. It was kind of like him and Emmanuel Sanders were the two big guys on the trade block, and Emmanuel Sanders was supposed to be the big risk. And 49ers gave up less, and he turned out a lot better. Was the, are you saying the only risk was – I think the only reason the Patriots went – with Sanu is because it was another added year to the contract. The only other reason. No, I know, but I'm just saying there really wasn't many concerns about Sanu. It was just that the Falcons obviously had Julio, who was great. Calvin Ridley was emerging, and they sucked. So they needed to trade some people. Whereas Emmanuel Sanders, he was like an expiring contract. He had been injured the previous, I think, what did he tear his ACL the year before or something like that? Tore his Achilles, but... He, he had, like, major injury concerns, and that's why he was, like, a lot cheaper, 
even though he was the bigger name and had a better track record. And then he turned out way better than Sanuda. To touch on um, the Julio that you just brought up, do you think there's any chance that the Falcons are going to move Julio Jones? I heard, didn't they say that they're selling? I actually think not at the deadline because a lot of, I just, I think it's too big of a move that they'll, for them to make at the deadline. But I wholeheartedly believe that he won't be on the Falcons next year. I think this offseason, he's going to be shopped pretty heavy. I think the Falcons are going to try and go full rebuild. Their owner literally said that both Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, like he can't, he wouldn't commit to either one of them. So like at that point, when you're looking at maybe trading Matt Ryan and drafting a new quarterback mm-hmm. this year. And has Dan, Quine, uh, has Dan Quinn been fired yet? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's, him, that's what I thought. Him, so him that makes GM me believe that, like you said, Dan, I completely agree with you that maybe not at this deadline, but definitely off season. If you're having a new coach come in, he's going to want to reset that team. He's going to want a new young quarterback. He's want to get that big contract. Yeah. I think, off, I off think of the boards. Exactly. I think, I don't think they'll be quite bad enough to beat the Jets out for Trevor Lawrence, but I could totally see them grabbing a guy like Justin Fields. He's hometown. He's from Georgia. And then basically just moving on from any pieces they have drafting. And then they, the probably the only guy they'd keep is Calvin Ridley. That's the only guy that mm-hmm. I can be like, yeah, they definitely won't trade him. I don't, I'm kind of like just trying to think, like, where do you think Matt Ryan would land? Like, I don't know with that contract. I'm going to feel so bad for that guy because he just seems like someone that had so much potential. And he won an MVP, made it to the Super Bowl. We know what happened there. But, like, he just doesn't seem like one of those guys that, like, no matter where he goes, his career is just going to be like another, like, Joe Flacco. Yeah. it's kind of winding down, I feel like. Well, you know, you're seeing it yeah. the last few weeks. I know you said a really good game, got his first win, but his arm's not as good as it was before. He's slow. He's always known to be a slow quarterback, a pocket guy. But we're kind of seeing a new era of the league where you want guys that can run, extend plays with their feet, and just run the ball effectively and pick up yards like that. So I don't know. It's I think it could definitely be a Flacco situation. Maybe he could just – wherever team he goes, and if they're drafting a guy, they, he could play a little bit and be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, like a little just there until the, the next quarterback's ready. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, they're in a pretty awful situation if they want to move on from Matt Ryan because I've got his contract in front of me here. He's got three years left after this season, and his dead cap is going to be $49 million next year, 26 the year after. So even if you draft someone high this year and move on from Julio or, I don't know, make other trades and just sit them behind Matt Ryan and try and give them some experience, even after that, his contract will probably be too big for a team to want to trade for him. So you'd probably have to end up cutting Matt Ryan and then you're mm-hmm. in just like an awful cap situation. Before we move on, I just want to say one thing. So I was kind of curious to who Atlanta's backup quarterback was. And you guys know who the backup is for Atlanta? I do. Uh, is Danny is Danny Atling still on the house? No. Dude, Matt Schaub. Wow, he's still around? Hmm. Matt Schaub has been in the league since 2004. Damn, I really forgot about Dude, him. I had no idea. I it's keep like forgetting that he's still in the league. Josh McCown. Well, McCown. I mean, McCown's different, though, because he's like, what is he, like the reserve quarterback getting paid by the Eagles just in case? 
Yeah, I think he's tech, he's on the I practice squad. I think he makes, squad. like, what, $10,000 a week from sit, for sitting at home, doing absolutely nothing? Good for him. Yeah, something like that. That's a good like way that. to retire. But, dude, Matt Job, that dude had a decent career, actually, with Houston. I had no idea he was still in the league. He's lasting a long time, huh? Well, yeah. And, um, Dan. Take, take it away, Dan. Let's do the picks, baby. Yeah. No, 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 no. Before we do we didn't even oh, talk wow. about Oh, wow, that's very true. We've been just dragging on about the trade talk. Oh, man. We went we went so off topic talking about how <laughs> Matt Schaub has been in the NFL right, we, that we didn't even talk about who the Patriots right, are well, playing. We went like week. five seconds right. on Matt Schaub, but let's go into the 49ers. I know, I know. I'm just it, – it represents where the conversation went. Anyways, you've got the Pats and the 49ers this week. Uh, 4.30 game, yep. right? I, was this Sunday night football when the schedule yeah. came out? I could have sworn this, this was always, Sunday night this football when the schedule came out. Game. This is this um, Romo and okay. Nance got this. CBS got this one locked down. Yeah. Romo and Nance, yeah. The, like the primetime yep. 4.30 game, the America's game of the week or whatever. But So, yeah, I mean, we we touched on it. If we don't win this game, it's completely likely that we kind of look at the team two and four. This 49ers team isn't great. Denver's really bad. So coming off those two losses, it makes a lot of sense that maybe we'd start to wind down. Um, the AFC is looking a lot better than people expected this year, even with that seventh spot. The playoffs isn't necessarily a given for us right now. Um, yeah, what do you guys think about this game? Adam, you want to touch on this? Yeah, um... I think it's a pretty good matchup. I'm excited to see how the Patriots are going to respond after that terrible game against Denver. I know they finally just had their first back-to-back days of practice in a few weeks today, so that's always a good sign. But I'm a little scared of this 49ers team. They had a pretty good win against the Rams last week, beating them 24-6, to and a lot of people were talking bad about them after they got blown out by the Dolphins. But I think they're still a scrappy team. Jimmy G is a good quarterback, and I feel like the more he plays – the more comfortable he's going to be after his injury. And they're still got a pretty good defense. They're, they're no team to take on lightly. So it should definitely be a good matchup on Sunday. But if we're ready and the offense is clicking like it should be, I think we can get it done. See, I really think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Um, I just think even though the 49ers have a lot of injuries on their defense, I still – got to believe in that defensive coordinator. I think his name is Robert Salah. I mean, the guy who was getting offers to be a head coach. Yeah, it is. Um, and they're make, he's yep. making it work. I mean, he beat the Rams. Rams have a pretty good offense with Guff, Cup, Wood, et cetera. But, like, I don't know. I just really think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think, like, the big matchup that's so interesting, obviously, is Jimmy G returning. I wish there was fans in the stands because that'd be, that was one game that I was dying to see, um, that connection Belichick yeah. and Jimmy G has. Um but it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game. I just really I'm kind of nervous, of course, because you go we've never been two and four, so that's something that I mean you kind of Buffalo's up there too now, so it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be a tough game, but hopefully Pats can pull together and actually get their offense back in groove. Any last thoughts, boys? Anything yeah, you want to mention I mean, real quick? The one thing. Yeah, for for me, the one thing that was really reassuring. Um, well, it sounds a little messed up to say because you don't wish an injury on anybody, but Raheem Mostert hitting IR I think is really big for us because we just saw Philip Lindsay run all over us last week, and I think Mostert is a much better running back. Um, so that definitely takes a layer away from an offense that was already kind of struggling this year. 
I think we're going to put a ton of attention on Kittle defensively because you've already seen what Bill Belichick's been saying about him, saying he's like the best tight end in the league and like one of the best players he's ever seen. So I think that tells you we're going to put so much attention on Kittle. Hopefully he'll have a quiet night. Um, I think it's a very winnable game, and I think it's a must win. Yeah, it's 49ers offense is something that the Patriots usually don't do well against, guys like Debo Samuel. Just like this type of offense, we, I mean, we see it with Baltimore. 49ers have a good RPO. They do a lot of reverses, something that is our weakness right now, even though Devin McCourty has been stepping up. And I don't know if you guys saw really quick during like um, the Denver game when Locke was running for the end zone on the goal line. Do you guys see how fast McCourty ran? Oh, there? yeah. I thought McCourty – dude, I don't think McCourty's ever going to slow down. He just seems like that type of player that's just never going to slow down when he plays. Um, so it's going to be overall tough with that offense. I'm excited to see how they answer to Jimmy G, and hopefully we can hold our own too. All right, so let's get into the picks. That's why everybody listens, baby. Dan, give us an update of where we're at. Who won last week? Uh, back-to-back <laughs> weeks for Mr. Adam Pasquale. He went 10 of 14. Um, Kevin finished in second again. I finished in last again. Taking too many risks. I got to go with more safe picks this week. But overall, um, Kevin's still in the lead, but Adam is starting to close in. He's within just three oh, picks yeah. of Kev now. Could could he could he take the lead after this week? I mean, I had nine. What do you think, Kev? I had nine. So I mean, Adam. But Adam had ten. Yeah, I know because you didn't let me change my pick from the Jets to Miami. <laughs> I didn't. He had the same. I didn't yeah, let we went, him change we went down together. Yeah, we took an L there. He had the Jets pick. I definitely know that I am not taking the Jets this week. Let's make that clear. Wait, wait, wait! Pump the brakes. Adam, I'm counting your picks again. You got ah, you, you and Kevin tied for first. Dan, damn it! You... So Kevin, you still have a four, four game overall lead on Adam. Adam did not get back to back wins. It's okay. You really just, Sorry, you really just got me hyped up for no reason. But I'm on a vengeance right now. Back to back, two good weeks for me. I'm Kev. You better, you better start running, man. That spot's not safe. Hey, I won my other sheet back to back week. Hey. That a boy. Between ninety. That a boy. That means that we're both doing good. That's mm-hmm. all that means. Dan, where are you at? How many all did right. you get again? Nine. Uh, I got. I got like. <laughs> you guys got nine. I think I got like seven. I, I had a bad five. week again. No, I got more than five. Hold on. I got six. Right in between. All right. Let's hop into the games for this week. Hopefully, I can turn it around. First game on the schedule here, we've got the Cleveland Browns visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. The Browns are the three-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you guys Um, I'm going to take Cleveland here, minus three-and-a-half. I know they just got rolled by the Steelers last week, but I think it's going to be a bounce-back week for that team. We saw Odell on the sideline getting upset, and all the emotions are running high, and I think this is a good bounce-back team for them to face and to get their confidence back. And um, I don't really feel – I know Joe Burrow is a pretty good quarterback with the Bengals, but they don't really have a sense of direction right now. They actually had a pretty good game against the Colts last week, but not enough to get the win. So in that case, Cleveland minus three and a half for me. I really do want to go Cincinnati. I do. I think the Thursday night game, I know Cleveland started off hot, but Cincinnati slowly rolled their way back in. Cincinnati played pretty good against Indy. 
they were up pretty big. They choked at uh, the end of that game. Baker's still hurt. Uh, I They shouldn't have put up – I mean, seven points versus Pittsburgh. They got completely blown out. And I don't think Pittsburgh's honestly that good, that they should have been blown out that much. Odell had another temper tantrum on the sideline. Um, I think the loss in Nick Chubb is hurting them more. So, I mean, division game two, second time around, I'm going to go Cincinnati. All right. Um, I'm going to go Cleveland here. I don't know. It It's definitely a tough one with the loss that the Browns are coming off of. Baker Mayfield looked awful. He got he was limited in case Keenum. With a uh, chest injury. Mm-hmm. The ribs, right? Oh, chest injury. Well, regardless, um, it does look like he's going to play Sunday. Case Keenum's a decent backup if they ever did have to go to him. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I Three and a half is such a small number that Cincinnati basically has to win this game in order to cover that. Um, and I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to be relatively close, but I think ultimately Cleveland's going to cover here. Next game, we've got the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. Dallas is favored by three and a half. Who do you guys got? I'm thinking Dallas in this one. I know they just got destroyed um, in front of everybody against the Cardinals, but in my mind, I feel like it can't get any worse for that offense and that team as a whole than it did that game last week. So I think it'll be another bounce-back week, just like I said, for the Browns, and I expect them to get Zeke going early. We saw that he had those two costly fumbles. He was all over the place last week. So I think it'll be a bounce-back week for Zeke, too. Andy Dalton should be more comfortable in that offense. And Washington went toe-to-toe with the Giants, you know, couldn't pull away a win. They lost by one, but I'm thinking Dallas. Dallas three-and-a-half for me. Andy, Andy Dalton played so bad on Sunday night – or Monday night, sorry. Dude, he was just throwing the ball all over the place. I kind of feel bad for him. I mean, that was not the, the first start he needed. And you guys see the Cowboys fan who was crying after that loss and his girlfriend was, like, mm-hmm. tearing up, dude. That's so funny. Pathetic. See the Cowboys fan who shot who shot his TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that one. <laughs> dude, that's making a wild over one loss. Um, but I'm going to go to Dan's point that he said that with, when Cleveland and Cincinnati said it's three and a half and you can't see Cleveland losing that game. Same reason there. I think Dallas should be able to cover. I don't really think Washington plays it that close. Hopefully Dalton has a bounce back game. Hopefully Zeke doesn't fumble and go in Dallas three and a half. Yeah, um, it's it's really just hard to bet for Washington, especially after they just lost to the Giants, gave them their first win of the season. Um, Dallas just had an awful game against Arizona, but it, it's crazy to think that. <clears throat> Are they number one in the NFC East or are they second? If they're second, they're only like a half game back. But either way, like it's crazy to think that they're still very likely to make the playoffs. So this is a big game for them. Um, You know, if they lose and Philly picks up a win tonight against the Giants, they could maybe start to pull away there because both of those teams are probably going to struggle a lot to get wins this year. I could see – someone with a losing record winning that division. Um, But, yeah, regardless, I've got the Cowboys here to cover minus three and a half. Next game, we've got the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. The Falcons are the three and a half point favorites after their big win against Minnesota. Kevin, you're going to like this pick. I'm going to roll with your boy Matty Stafford and the Lions. Um, 
Atlanta just destroyed the Vikings. Their offense looked really good, and so did Matt Ryan. But I think they're going to come back down to earth this week. And Detroit played pretty well. I know they went against the Jaguars, if I'm not mistaken, last week. So they should have looked pretty good. But um, I think this will be a scrappy game. It could be high scoring. And I'm going to take the Lions with the points, plus three and a half. These are two pretty even teams. Um, Just for that, I think it's going to be a close game. But I'm going to go to – I just think Detroit will be fine. I think Detroit probably end up winning this game outright. I think it's going to be a three-point Detroit win. So I'm going to go Detroit. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you guys here. It's just really hard for me to pick against the Falcons after seeing what they did against the Vikings. Obviously, Dalvin Cook was out. I think that played a big factor in the Vikings not really being able to do anything offensively. But regardless, I think we all agreed that after that Seattle game, Minnesota seemed like they were legit. And if they got hot, could maybe make a push for that seventh playoff spot. But I mean, Atlanta just absolutely obliterated them. What was it like 30 to seven? So three and a half is not too big of a number for me to pick against them. I'm going with the Falcons here. Next game, we've got the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers. The Saints are the seven and a half point. I'm taking Carolina plus seven and a half here. It's these divisional games. They're always scrappy. You never can really know when I feel like seven and a half is a good amount of points for me to feel safe with. New Orleans, I don't really know what to expect out of them. We've seen a lot over the last few weeks about uh, Drew Brees and him declining that offense. And Michael Thomas, his ability for Sunday is still up in the air after something happened with him in the media or something I'm not 100% sure about. But uh, I think it should be a good game. And um, I'm going to take the Panthers with the points. Yeah, I'm going to go Carolina too. Um, It's kind of sad to see them lose to Chicago, but Chicago does have a really good defense. Um, Like Adam touched on, Drew Drew Brees is in decline. Um, and I just don't really trust him, especially if Michael Thomas is hurt and then he has another injury. So I'm going to go Carolina. Yeah, um, I'm going to make it a clean sweep and go with the Panthers here. Michael Thomas, um, he's been dealing with that ankle injury basically all season. He was limited in practice yesterday. I guess he tweaked his hamstring in practice yesterday and didn't participate at all today. So that makes it pretty unlikely for him to suit up on Sunday. And if he does, might be a bit of a non-factor. So I think seven and a half is too big of a number if the Saints don't have Michael Thomas, which looks like that's going to happen. So I got the Panthers here. Next game, we've got the Buffalo Bills coming off back-to-back losses, taking on the New York Jets, who are coming off, I don't know, like 100 straight losses going back to last year. The Bills are the 11.5-point favorites. Who do you guys pick? I got to go Buffalo here. Um, I'm learning my lesson after last week when I uh, picked the Jets to cover, and I don't know what I was thinking, but I absolutely learned my lesson with that. I'm going to stay as far away from the New York Jets as I possibly can, and I'm going to take Buffalo minus 11.5, regardless of how many points it is. I would have taken them if it was 50.5. I'll make this really quick. I'm never picking the Jets again. I'm going Buffalo. <laughs> um... I, I think I got to go with the Jets here. The Hold Bills on. coming on, on back to back losses. <laughs> nope. Nope. Sam Darnold, no. I want to preface this. Sam Darnold <laughs> no. is back to practice. Adam. I wouldn't have Hold done on. it give if me it was a second. No, wait. You know, Sam Darnold Dan, is back to practice. Last week on the podcast, you said. Yeah, it's not a never pick Joe listen, Flacco. Nope. If you go back on the podcast, you said there's two things. I you're, said Joe Flacco. Three can, you let me, can you let me finish? Thank you. You said two things. One. You said that you're never going to bet against the Patriots. Number two, yes. you said you were never 
going to take the Jets, and then you took Miami. No, I said I will never. I cannot I wait. I will I never wait to pick when Joe Flacco is I the cannot, quarterback. I specifically I said Joe Flacco. Sam Darnold has returned to practice. It looks like Sam Darnold will be the starter. If Flacco is the starter, yeah, of course, I would take Buffalo. But I think Sam Darnold's coming back, so I think 11.5 might be a little bit of a big number. Could be wrong here, but I know last week I said I will not bet with Joe I listened, Flacco. I listened I did not to the podcast. The you did not listen to the podcast. Just remember that. All right, well, I'll have to listen to the podcast after this. 100% right after. (laughs) All right. Next game, we've got the Green Bay Packers and the Houston Texans. Green Bay is minus three and a half. I'm going to take the Packers here. I think uh, they're beat down against Tampa. Last week was a wake-up call for Aaron Rodgers and that whole team. And um, the Texans just had a really scrappy performance against the Titans. I don't think that game was going to be as close. They scored 36 points against a pretty decent Titans defense. But um, I'm going to go Green Bay here because I think, like I said, that this was, that was that game was a wake-up call. They're not really good at, when they face physical teams, and I don't really see Houston being a physical team. So um, Green Bay minus 3.5. I'm liking the line. I'll take the Packers. I just think just because that the Texans are open about selling, that's when you kind of lose a team. I just don't think that they're all going to save. They're, they're just basically done with the season. So especially with Green Bay, they just got their ass kicked by Tampa. And it's only three and a half. I'm going to go uh, Green Bay. Uh, yeah, the game against Tampa, you can't help but feel like was a bit of a fluke. I don't think Green Bay is that bad of a team to lose by 28. But Houston's had their three and a half is kind of a small number. So I'm going to go Green Bay here. Next game, we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. This game was supposed to happen like four weeks ago, um, but it's happening now due to COVID. Titans are the two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Who do you guys got? I think um, this is one of the best games of the week, and it's a pretty it's pretty up in the air right now, two undefeated teams facing off against each other. And it's tough for me to go against Tennessee right now, what I've been seeing. They're rolling ever since last year when Tannehill took over. They've looked like a completely different football team. They're a legit threat in the AFC, and I'm I'm all aboard the Tannehill train. I'm taking Tennessee plus two and a half. This is definitely the game of the week. Um, the two right now, best teams in the AFC. Um, I'm just going to go Tennessee, too. I agree with Adam with what he said. They've been rolling ever since uh, Ryan Tannehill has taken over as the starting quarterback. I do like Pittsburgh, but for some reason, I just do think that Big Ben is on the decline side. I haven't seen really much, but I mean, I'm not a fan of James Conner either. I'm going to go Derek Henry and the Titans. Yeah, I got to go with Tennessee here. Two and a half is a pretty small number. They did have their problems a little bit with Houston. Um, the two-point conversion in that game was a little questionable, but... Tannehill drove him down the field late, and then Derrick Henry put it away in overtime. Uh, I got the Titans here, plus two and a half. Next game, we've got the... Next game here, we've got the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. This was originally a four o'clock game. It got moved to Sunday Night Football now. Um, the Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. Who do you guys got? It's tough for me to bet, uh, bet against Russ right now, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna take Arizona plus three and a half. Um... Seattle defense, especially their secondary, isn't really good. And right now, Kyler looks 
really on a different level, especially with Hop and Christian Kirk starting to come alive right now. And in a divisional game like this, I feel like a lot of the times, at least back over the last few years when the Cardinals weren't that good, they would always beat like good competitors in, in their division. They're always competing, and they actually have a really good team this year around. So I'm going to go Arizona plus three and a half. Yeah, um, looking at this game here, I don't know. It's it's going to definitely be a close game, a good game. Arizona just showed that you know they definitely are a team to be taken seriously. Those losses back-to-back to Detroit and Carolina definitely had some people kind of questioning them. Um, but yet, and beat the Cowboys by 28. That's a statement. Um, regardless, though, I just think Russell Westbrook, Russell Wilson, is playing at an MVP level. I think he's been basically unstoppable this year. So I got to go Seattle Ooh, minus Russell three and a half. I'm sorry for the um, lag. Don't don't leave don't leave the anchor next time, and I won't feel like I have to start talking until <laughs> <Should> I think <laughs> right out. Have, that's my bad. Um, but I'm so glad I came back for Russell Westbrook and the Seattle Seahawks. But I am going to go Seattle on this one. Um, I just think that both defenses are not that great. I know Jamal Adams still isn't coming back. I don't think he's uh, going to play this week. So I just think it comes down to Russ just putting up more points. And I'm gonna, I'd rather take that rope. All right. Next game, we've got the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. Patriots are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Who do you guys got? Um, I'm going to go New England here last week. Um, unfortunately against all my Patriots, well, I actually took the Broncos, which unfortunately ended up going in my favor, but this week around, I'm liking the line of the Pats minus three and a half. I think it should definitely be a bounce back week. Now they have some more practices under their belt and I'm going to go Patriots minus three and a half. I don't really want to bet against New England. I mean, three and a half. If I don't take him one three and a half, that just means that I don't trust them. I'm going to roll. I'm going to give Cam another week. Hopefully, Patriots cover. Yeah, um, I already talked about the importance of this game. I feel like it's our season can kind of go in two directions with a win or a loss. Um, very important game for the team. I hope they take it really seriously. We've got David Andrews probably coming back off IR. Shaq Mason and Derek Rivers are coming back off the COVID list. Hopefully that can kind of give us a spark that we need to get this done. I've got the Patriots minus three and a half. Next game, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Denver Broncos. Chiefs are the nine and a half point favorites. Who do you guys got? It's always tough to bet against Mahomes, and I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going Chiefs minus nine and a half. We just saw Denver have a pretty good game against us. Um, I mean, our offense obviously wasn't there, but at the same time, Denver only scored field goals, going to get any touchdowns, and that's definitely not going to work against Mahomes. So I'm going to play it safe here. I know it's a divisional game. You can never really predict what's going to happen in these kind of games, but to play it safe, I'm going to take the Chiefs. Really? I think Le'Veon Bell is going to play this week. Um, Really interested to see how that offense is going to finally look. Um, Denver, I mean, they played good against us, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to hold Mahomes. I just think our offense honestly had a bad game. So I'm going to go Kansas City, nine and a half. Tyree Kilson has a big day for Adam Fantasy. Because he really Ooh. needs it, by the way, really quick. Oh. Adam Fantasy team put up 49 points. And he had Matt Ryan on his bench. Who oh. put up 45. You know, it was just 
a week we got to put in the past because that was an absolute abysmal performance by my team as a whole. I don't think it can get any worse, to be honest with you. Did you when think my, I was not going to bring that up? I was hoping you weren't, but I knew at one point it was it was going to come somehow. Dude, Thanks, Kev. So I know. <laughs> Yeah, um, pretty much Adam said everything I was thinking for this game. It's just really hard to bet against Kansas City, even though it is a big number at nine and a half. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. Next game, uh, what was originally supposed to be Sunday Night Football, it's now going to be a 430 game because of Vegas's COVID problems. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucs are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to hammer the Bucs as my lock this week. And um, before you guys start giving me crap for it, it's not because of how good they looked last week and how good their defense looked against Aaron Rodgers, but it's because of the fact that the Raiders put their whole entire offensive line on COVID protocol. So what does that tell you? That defense just looked unbelievable. They're starting to find a stride blitzing with Devin White and Levante David being so athletic. They're going to get after Derek Carr, and when Derek Carr is facing pressure, that's not what he likes. They're going to shut down Josh Jacobs, I feel like, and I think this this should definitely be an easy Bucks win, which is why I'm going Bucks minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go Bucks too. I just think that that Brady's looking really good. I like the PFF stats on Brady. I mean, he's thrown, he's completed the most deep um, deep passes. His PFF grade is ninety. Um, that team's finally turning around. I think the Packers are a really good team. Tampa destroyed them. Gonna hurt. Now I'm probably never going to bet against Brady. That's probably going to be my thing now. Like Dan's <laughs> Jets thing, I'm not going to bet against Brady. Going bust. I said last week that 90% of the time I'm going to bet against the – this is the other 10%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this line is probably this line is probably going to be updated before Sunday, just because the Raiders aren't going to have, or potentially won't have, basically their entire offensive line and Jonathan Abram. So three and a half is obviously like a really small number for that. But if we're going off three and a half, I really can't pick against Tampa Bay. All right, next game here, we've got the Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers are the eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Who do you guys I'm going to take the Chargers here. Um, the amount of points is kind of scaring me a little bit at minus eight-and-a-half. It's kind of a lot. But the Jaguars are kind of the team that are pretty up and down. One week, Minshew will look really good. The next, their offense will be really bad. And I've been really liking what I've seen uh, from Herbert. I think he's definitely the best QB so far out of this rookie class. I know Burrow's been great, too. But Herbert's gone toe-to-toe with Mahomes, Breeze, and Brady. And I think all around they just have a much better roster than the Jaguars. So I'm going to take Chargers uh, minus eight and a half. Yeah, the point is really high. Um, but at the same time, Jacksonville just isn't good. Um, like you said, Herbert's played some good quarterbacks. Games have been close. I thought he was going to beat the Saints. Uh, so I'm just going to go Chargers. You really just can't take Jacksonville right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm going to take Jacksonville right now. <laughs> um, it, I don't think they're going to win, but I just think eight and a half is a little bit of a big number. Um, if This is probably the game I'm the least sure of that I've picked this week, but regardless, I'm going to take the points and I'm going to go Jacksonville plus eight and a half. Last game, we've got the Monday night football game. We've got the Rams and the Bears. Rams are minus five and a half. I'm really surprised that the number is this high, especially in the favor of the Rams when Chicago sitting there at five and zero as their defense heats up. I'm definitely going with the Bears right here. 
Um, their defense is really good. The Rams are coming off of kind of a crappy performance against the 49ers. So they'll probably bounce back this week. But you're telling me I can have the Bears with five and a half points and that great defense? I can't go away from that. I'm taking the Bears. I think the last time these two teams faced Chicago, um, beat them pretty good. I just think that McVay struggles against good defenses like this. Um, I'm going to go Chicago, especially at five and a half. Um, I'm going to MC here. I don't think five and a half is an insanely big number. Uh, these are definitely two good teams. It's going to be a good Monday night football game. But I just think the Bears, all in all, they're not a real playoff team, in my opinion, whereas I think the Rams are. So I think the Rams are going to get it done here. Minus five and a half. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Uh, and we'll see you next week.